Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. John chapter 11, uh, verse 38. We there? Say amen. Let me give you a little context here. Um, This story is about a guy named Lazarus, okay? The scripture describes him as being very sick, and he's sick to the point of death, and so his sisters, Mary and Martha, and Lazarus are very close friends with Jesus, very intimate friends with Jesus, and so they send for Jesus. He's in another town altogether. By the time Jesus receives word which these ladies had sent, the one whom you love is sick, come and heal him. Jesus responds in an interesting way. He does not come immediately, but his arrival is delayed. And by the time Jesus gets to where Lazarus is, Lazarus has died. If you're ever going to question the love of God or if God cares, this is a good text for you to say, um, where is God? Does he care? Does he know? Does he really love me? And if that's your question today, there's a sermon for that in another day, but this is an example of the grace and sovereignty of God, this story. Um, Even through the mystery of God, there's grace, and he shows forth his sovereignty. And Jesus doesn't come to heal him on time, but he shows up on the fourth day. And in the Hebrew culture of that day, you would know that the fourth day is significant. The first three days upon which one dies, uh, there's mourning, there's intentional uh, sorrow, but there's also great hope in that there could be resurrection. However, after those first three days, all hope is lost. Belief in a resurrection is gone. And now it's time to flip the page, to turn to a new chapter, and to move on with life. And so it's significant that Jesus came on the fourth day. He shows up, and we're going to pick up what the Scripture tells us, shares with us in verse 38. If you're following along, You can do so on your uh, church app. You can follow along with those message notes. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. I just love how the scripture just keeps it real said, this is not the time, Jesus, to bring him out of the tea he smells. It's, it would be improper. It's, you, you don't want to do this. But Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they might believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. In other words, another passage, another translation says, take off his grave clothes and let him go. This morning in our time together, this is uh, the last message in which we've been sharing a collection titled Family Matters. We've talked about how you matter to your heavenly father. We've talked about how your family matters. And today I want to conclude this collection of teaching uh, with this title of my text today, Your Church Family Matters. Your Church Family Matters. Join your heart with me in prayer as we enter in this time gather around God's word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather around and to learn. Lord, we don't want to just be hearers, but we want to be doers of your word. We want to leave this place. Change from the inside out, Lord, that we might go into all the world as you've commanded us and make disciples. So, Father, our hearts are open and receptive to what you would have to say to us today. Lord, we believe your word. We receive your word. Let us leave this place positioned to obey your word. We thank you for what you're going to do in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Quick confession in the room today. How many of you have ever used a piece of exercise equipment as a coat hanger? Maybe those that didn't raise their hand didn't have any coat hangers in the room at the time. And so you just threw the towel or you threw the shirt or you threw the pair of pants. I won't say anything. You threw whatever you threw up there and I used it as a coat hanger. Um, you know, are you familiar? I want to ask you another question too. Are you familiar with the phrase like new? Have you ever heard that phrase before? Like new is a descriptive phrase uh, when you're talking about something that was, you purchased brand new and then you barely used it, so now it's like new. And uh, the reason why I ask you about exercise machinery and using it as a coat hanger is because I used to own, about 15 years ago, what was known as a Bowflex. I don't even know if they have these things anymore. All right. I used mine as a coat hanger. Um, I eventually ended up selling it like new because I didn't use it. And you can get a great deal on like new used exercise machinery, a treadmill or elliptical, a Bowflex. The interesting thing about uh, consumer uh, uh, grade you know, exercise equipment is, is, is not that you know, we didn't believe like in health and nutrition and physical fitness, but the reality is that we purchased it because we were believers. We believed. We believed that it would help us. We believe that exercise and health and nutrition is good. But however, the reason that it ended up being like new is not because we didn't believe that it would help us. What was, it was because we didn't use it. <laughs> and how many of you know that oftentimes we don't act on what we believe? The same principle holds true, not just when, it, when I'm talking about your health and nutrition, but it also rings true in our life. You see, believing makes no difference 
when it comes to health and nutrition, but doing makes the difference. Doing makes a difference. This is a principle that we see in life. You know, you can't just believe in the importance of work. You've actually got to show up and put your hands to doing something. Come on. You, you, you can't just believe. You've also got to act on what you believe. I think it's interesting that the Scripture throughout the New Testament, we're known as followers and, and, and believers in Jesus. We're known as believers, right, throughout the New Testament. But the reality is that we don't always act on what we believe. You see, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. You know, we believe in Jesus. We believe in his teaching. But oftentimes, we don't act on what we believe. You know, the Scripture says that we should forgive our enemies we should love them, but we don't actually act on that. The scripture says, you know, that we should be generous. We know that. We believe that. But many of us don't act on that. The scripture says that, you know, we should be bat water baptized, but many of us haven't done that. And as a church, I don't want us to be content simply with what and emphasize what we believe I'm not so much interested in you raising your hand and saying, hey, I believe. I'm interested in the concept of following or acting on what you believe. You see, the measure of your success as a follower of Jesus is not what you believe, but whether you act on what you believe, because doing makes the difference. And we know that by looking in Scripture that following Jesus cannot take, a, take place apart from relationship. You see, you have to personally believe in Jesus, and you have to have a relationship with Jesus in order to follow him. But you also have to have relationship with other people who also believe and are following Jesus. Timothy Keller, an author and theologian, pastor of the Redeemer Church in New York City, said this, Only if you are a part of a community of believers seeking to resemble, serve, and love Jesus, will you ever get to know him and grow into his likeness? And today, my goal, my prayer, is for you to not merely just believe in Jesus, not just believe in the power of your church family, the importance of valuing relationships in your church family, but I want you to follow Jesus and actually act on the value of being in relationship with your church family. I want to share this truth with you from our text today because your church family matters. Here it is. It matters that your family is connected in community. In our passage today in John chapter 11, we see that Lazarus had people around him that he was in community with. I want you to pull your toes in this morning if you're a little um, leery as to, you know, getting your toes stepped on. And this might be an uncomfortable message here today, but I want to share with you today about how God wants us to be connected in community. It's not important merely just to believe it, but it's important, it's vital, it's life or death that you are connected in community. I want to share with you why your church family matters. First and foremost, I want to let you know your church family matters because your church family gets your family to Jesus and gets Jesus to your family. Here's what I love. 
Lazarus' community got him to Jesus. And I'm convinced now, more than ever before, that you need people in your life, you need to have relationships that get you to Jesus, that have people that are moving you, that are pushing you toward the things of God. In our text today, these sisters, they have a problem. We read in John chapter 11, that the first verse, it says, A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, um, the town of Mary and her sister. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters went to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. See, they had a big problem. They had a problem that was not resolvable by human means. They had a problem that wasn't resolvable by trying to fix it, by trying to counsel it, by trying to give money to it. And see, the reality is, in my life and your life, we need people in our lives that will get us to Jesus, knowing that the answer to our problem is Jesus. Lazarus had people in his life that were convinced that the answer to his problem was Jesus, and they were determined to get Jesus to their brother. Lazarus was in greater proximity to Jesus because the people around him. You need people in your life pushing you toward Jesus. Why don't you come up here for a second, Luke? I've got Luke coming up here to help me with something today to demonstrate. I'll give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. Come, come on, clap your hands for him. All right. You and I, my family, and your family need people that are pushing us toward Jesus. The reality is no relationship in your life is neutral. Your relationships are either pushing you toward Jesus or pulling you away from Jesus. And oftentimes we try to reason or we rationalize these relationships, these environments, these places we put ourselves in. And instead, we need to redefine or release the people and environments that are leading us away from Jesus. There's no neutral relationship when it comes to knowing God and being in relationship with Jesus. You see, Luke is a very strong guy. He's a big guy, so I wanted to bring him up here for this illustration. And the reality is, it's a lot easier for your friends to bring you down it's a lot harder for him to pull me up. He can't pull me up, but it's easy for me to bring him down. And that's the way it is. Thanks, Luke. All right. Appreciate it. That's the way it is in our life. Who you are around will either bring you down or they can lift you up. And who we are around is who we are becoming. How many of you know that who you are around puts a certain aroma on your life. How many of y'all have ever been to Yankee Candle before? Come on, guys. Christmas time, you go to the Yankee Candle because, you know, you're shopping with your wife and you're in the Yankee Candle for, you know, an hour or so. And you end up maybe meeting some people that you know outside the Yankee Candle and they say, oh, you smell good. You smell like birthday cupcake because we've been in Yankee Candle. <laughs> you see, you become like those that you're around. Who you're around is who you're becoming. Proverbs chapter 20, uh, 12, verse 26 says this, 
The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, Whoever walks with wise people will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. So it's important that you surround yourself with people who are going to bring you closer to Jesus and to the things of God. Secondly, your church family matters not just because your church family gets your family to Jesus, but your church family matters because your church family strengthens your family through every season. The people in Lazarus' life, his family and his friends that were gathered there and that were believing uh, for his healing, that were also more... Uh, this is the reality, is, is that in this passage today, we see uh, the gamut of emotions. We see great faith in believing, sending for Jesus, believing that Jesus can change and turn around the situation. And so they send word for Jesus. Uh, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Come and, 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 and heal him, change him, raise him up, bring life to him. This is what they believed that Jesus could do. But also you find that on the fourth day that all that, that hope was gone and now they're mourning and now they're discouraged and now they're depressed and now they're crying. They're broken. The people in Lazarus' life are, are, are surrounded around him, but they're with him throughout every season in his life. Do you see that? You need a church family. You need a group of people that are around you that are strengthening you for every season. In the season of confusion, you need somebody that will give you some direction. In a season of challenge in your marriage, you need to surround yourself with somebody that has a good marriage, somebody who is maybe older than you that has been through some of the things that you've been through before. In a season of sickness, you need people around you that are going to bring you medicine or soup that are going to call and check on you, that are going to pray for you. You see, that's what happens when you surround yourself with the right people, is that they strengthen you through every season. Notice that in the passage today that even when they were excited, now they are grieving, they're mourning, but they stayed. They were with the family, even throughout their most difficult moments. This is what your church family does. They strengthen your family through every season. And finally, your, your church family matters because your church family frees your family to follow Jesus. The worship team is going to come and play. We want to give you guys some time to respond to this message. Your church family matters because your church family frees your family to follow Jesus. Here's what I love. Verse 43, and when they had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Jesus did, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his faith, face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. This is fascinating. As Jesus is standing at the tomb, He's getting ready to call Lazarus forth from the tomb. The stone is there. He rolls the stone away. And he calls out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. 
He comes out in that moment. The one who was dead is now alive, standing before them. That was the first miracle. And many um, scholars and, and, and commentators, I was reading about this this week, that was only, some people think, the first uh, miracle. The second miracle was the fact that Lazarus is standing before them because he was wrapped in those grave clothes and he could not walk. Many people believe that he was actually, Jesus actually levitated him to that place that he was standing before them. He looks at those that are surrounding Lazarus. He looks at his family and his friends and he gives them this instruction. Loose him. Take off those grave clothes and let him go. You see, he was alive, but he was still bound. He was saved, but he was still a slave to his situation. You see, he was alive, but he was bound up. Today, I believe that many of us in the church are alive but we're not free. We're forgiven, but we're still bound. Some of us are believers and we're bound with unforgiveness. We're bound with fear. We're bound with depression. We're bound with uh, a habit. We're bound with a sickness. We're bound with a way of doing things. We're bound with racism. We're bound with many things. We're bound with religiosity. We're bound. We're free in Jesus. We've been set free, but many of us are still bound. Some of us here are safe, but because we failed to do life with other people, we're still bound. See, this is the reality is that he told those people that were surrounding Lazarus, he said, I want you to then set him free. This is what happens in community. This is what happens in church. This is what happens when we surround ourselves with other people who are following Jesus. He says to us, this is the way that you're going to be set free, is by surrounding yourself with people who love you, who care for you. This is how you're going to experience freedom. You see, only Jesus can forgive you and make you alive. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Confess your sins to God and that he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But James chapter 5 verse 16 says this, confess your faults to one another that you may be healed. See, I don't want to just be for, forgiven. I want to be freed. And it's impossible to be freed and to be healed in isolation. You need friends you need a church family. You need people around you in order to, for you to be free, for your family to be free, in order for you to be able to follow Jesus in freedom. Your church family matters because they free your family to follow Jesus. And this is what connect groups are all about. You see, we sit in rows on the weekend, but we sit in circles throughout the week. We learn to live life with one another knowing that it's impossible to follow Jesus without being in relationship first with him 
and then with one another, each other that are following Jesus. It's in a place of community that you are free to share your hurts, your pain, your worries, your fear, your anxiety, your brokenness. It's in the context of community that you are set free and that you are made whole. It's in the context of community that you can fully follow Jesus. Some of us here today, we come to church on Sunday, but we're not connected in community. We see all throughout the New Testament that it's impossible to fully follow Jesus without being in community. Your church family matters, and it matters that your family is connected in community. Why? Because your church family gets your family closer to Jesus. They get your family strength for life seasons, and they free your family to follow Jesus. I want you to stand up on your feet, on your feet all over this room today. And those of you that are at home, don't miss this moment because the truth is that God doesn't want us just to be forgiven. He wants us to be free. And the way that we're free and fully able to follow Jesus is to surround ourselves with other people who love Jesus and are following him see, we need people to pray for us. We need people to encourage us. We need people to challenge us. We need people to speak truth to us. Tell us not just what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. This is what's so important about the person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you. See, as followers of Jesus, we're a part of a family. And in that family, we find freedom, we find hope, we find strength, we find encouragement. Not just that we are believers in Jesus, but that we indeed are followers of Jesus. And so this place, in this place today, let us recommit our life to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus is to follow him with a family, with brothers and sisters, with friends, with our group, with those that are surrounding us that are able to encourage us when we're discouraged, that are able to speak truth to us when we find ourselves caught up in a lie, that are able to challenge us to keep on keeping on for Jesus that are there for us to come alongside of us when we don't feel like we can stand up and keep on going another day. We need people surrounding us so that we can follow Jesus. Let us recommit our lives to the family of God today. I don't want us to leave this moment, to leave this place today without recommitting ourselves to one another. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to bow our heads and bow our hearts, close our eyes. 
Search our heart, Lord. Are we really following you, Lord? Are we just going through the motions? Are we serving you or attempting to serve you in isolation? Or are we truly following you in community by being connected, by serving one another, being in relationship with you, allowing you to use us, allowing you to help us to receive ministry, Lord, from one another. Lord, let us be like those that were with Lazarus that day, that through the difficult times and through the good times, through any times, Lord, that we would be with one another throughout every season, strengthening one another so that we might be free to follow you. Lord, this is our prayer. This is our commitment. Father, I pray that you would speak to your people today, Lord, to join a group, to join a team, to make a commitment, Lord, to make a new friend, to go across the room and to introduce themselves. Maybe to have eyes open to someone that is in this room today that is new or somebody that you don't know. Lord, fill us with your love. Fill us with all that you are so that, God, we can follow you fully, not just half-heartedly, not just, not just separately, but we can follow you fully in community. Lord, thank you today, God, for what you've done. Lord, by the, by the outpouring of your spirit, Lord, in our worship service, thank you, what you for what you've done, Lord, through the ministry, Lord, of your word today. Thank you for what you are doing even right now, Lord, with speaking to our hearts, Lord, and calling us to a greater level of commitment to one another. Lord, we can't follow you apart from relationship with one another, but also importantly, most importantly, with relationship with you. So if there is someone in this room this morning or watching online that does not know you, Jesus, as their personal Savior, as the one who is willing and able to forgive them of all their sins, Lord, I pray that right now, God, that they would make things right from, with you, that where there is separation, Lord, as they confess their sin, as they forsake their sin, as they repent, Lord, from going their own way, Lord, that you would enter into their life as they have asked you to forgive them of their sins, even right now. Lord, I pray that you would come into their heart, that you would make them new. Be the leader of their life today. We welcome you, God, as our Savior, as the leader of our life. Lord, we commit today, Lord, to leave this moment, Lord, and committed, Lord, to live our lives with one another that we might be free to fully follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Thank you for, for, for salvation. And thank you for all that you are doing. Lord, here and all that you are doing in, in, in the days to come. 
Father, we give you glory, we give you honor, we pray, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.